You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Hello again, everybody. My name is Steve Eden, and you're listening to the True University Podcast, where the truest thing about you is what God says about you. And my guest once again today in continuation of our last podcast is my good friend and brother in Christ, Michael Ferris. Michael, it's good to have you again. Man, it's good to be back. Everything going all right since last time? Yeah, everything's great. All right, excellent. I want to pick up on a point you made right at the very end, and I know we've got a few topics we're going to cover today, but you shared your testimony last week, and then one of the things that really stuck out to me was your wife, Lauren, uh, after you had confided in her that you know there had been some infidelity in your marriage relationship, and she looked at you and said, "I want you to know first and foremost, I forgive you, <clears throat> excuse me, I forgive you, and what a great picture of the love of God, the grace of God, I'd say the power of God. I mean, because forgiveness like that is supernatural. Yeah. you can't fake forgiveness. It's a supernatural uh, I believe it's divine comes from from God himself. And uh, especially for her just to be able to say, I forgive you uh, almost unilaterally, like she didn't set you up with all these uh, ultimatums and, you know, control and manipulation and all that stuff reminds me of jesus on the cross you know because he said father forgive them for they know not what they do nobody asked him even for you know hey forgive us for ripping your beard out of your face uh forgive us for spitting on you and humiliating you and nailing you to this tree nobody was apologizing and yet unilaterally sourced by god his father's spirit he forgave. And that that had such a powerful impact on me as I was listening to that. And my thought was, as you and I have talked about some of that instance with you and Lauren, I remember her saying to you that she refused to let your sin, your mistake, uh, identify her. And I thought, man, what a powerful woman of God, what a powerful expression of uh, the love of Christ. Do you mind if we just talk a little bit about that? How did that impact you when she comes at you with that kind of response? Man, I mean, like, you know, why are we surprised, right? First off, so Lauren is a woman who abides with the Lord. And so John 15, like she, she abides daily. (laughs) So, So hold on, time out. So basically, that's a great point. This is a fruit for everybody right. who's listening, this is a fruit of her abiding, living connected to the very life of Christ. And Shazam, what do we see come out of her but the life and expression of Christ? Go ahead. Exactly. Man, no, exactly. And so, I mean, so just to kind of like the fast forward in that, so that had nothing to do with me having an affair with her. That was later on where I struggled with pornography. Okay. And, um, you know, I'm just, I would come to her and I'm, like to me, for for me, like when the word says to be one flesh, there can be no secrets between us. And yeah. so I know the word says like um, the sin of sexual immorality is a two way sin, right? It's a sin against your body. And it's a sin against the Lord. Like it's, and we know really like if we really dig deep into this, like it's straight up just a sin against the Lord because the body is a temple. The, sure, the spirit of Jesus Christ temple, yeah. D- yeah, dwells within. And, but for me, like when I'm, I'm looking at this, I'm like, man, well, I'm like, I'm also married yeah. and I have this wife, this, this partner, the Lord has given me. And this awesome ministry partner. And so when I when I choose to to look, when I choose to covet yeah. a daughter of God that has not been given to me, right? Mm-hmm. Like I've been, my wife has been given to me, right? Then I sin against her as well. Yeah. And so how can I? How can we be one flesh if I hide these things from her? Yeah. And so I would begin to tell her every time I struggled. And the truth is, like Lauren did not like it. Right. She didn't like me telling her either because she's like, you know, like. Like when I started, like when I started confessing things to her, I confessed everything where she's like, are you done? Please <laughs> right. tell me you're Please done. Please tell right? me there's no more skeletons right. in the closet. And I'm like, I got one more thing. And so yeah. I was, just, but the Let beauty me, of this is when we were talking about this, I'm like, how does this, cause I would see other struggles, right? And we're yeah. not supposed to go off other people's experience. Yeah. But I, I asked her, I was like, does this bother you? Does this jack with your identity when I'm sharing this stuff with you? Because like I like you're the most beautiful woman in my life. Like you're you're right. gorgeous. Like it has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with me lacking. It's just me being straight selfish. And she looked at me and she said, "You're Kairos, which just means like you're come and die. Like your yeah. your disobedience with the Lord. Like your your sin does not identify with me. Like it doesn't yeah. define it doesn't who define I." Who I am. Am. That's a powerful truth. And I do want to clarify that because what you're getting at is it. she didn't say that in response to the affair, although that was a prior sin. She said, your sin is not going to identify me or define my value. 
uh, was dealing with pornography and right. your confession of those. So uh, just to clarify that. But um, it's still it's still such a great truth. And I've been in ministry since 1994, full time. I've done a lot of counseling, and that includes a lot of marriage counseling. Michael, one of the great mistakes that the ladies make, God love them, is when, when their husband's dealing with pornography, they think it is a complete slight against them. They, right. they think his brokenness really has to do with them. And they do let it define them. They do let his sin, his brokenness, his missteps somehow assign, boy, improper value, improper or deceptive identity. The the enemy, of course, uses that. But what a great uh, what a great truth for ladies that are listening today to be able to recognize, hey, my husband's sin, his brokenness, where he's struggling or battling, uh, does not define me. That doesn't have anything to do with me. That has to do with him. And I think that's very important yeah. uh, for them to hang on to. So what a testimony for her. It uh, leads me, it's a great segue to Hesed love. Yes. And Hesed love, C-H-E-S-E-D, is a Hebrew word for love in scripture. Actually, I would say this, it's translated mostly loving kindness, uh, depending on different translations, you might get unfailing love, unending love, mercy, uh, different things. But it's really the compassion of the Lord. And you introduced that word to me yep. uh, a few months ago when we were having lunch. Would you uh, be so gracious as to uh, introduce the meaning of God's hesed love? And I have a few notes myself, but introduce that to our listeners today. Yeah, I would love to. I mean, like it's it's an awesome time too. So like I'm going to introduce it with what the Lord is recently teaching me, if that's okay. And kind of go from there. And so okay. um, last night I was in uh, Romans. So I'm, I'm slowly just eating verse for verse in Romans. And I was in Romans 2 verse 4, right? Oh, yeah. I'm very and familiar so, with that one. And so it just says, you know, like just to kind of bring you guys up to speed on this. So he's pretty much like, it's talking about judging others. Right. And so it's this whole, right. like you're judging others and you're condemning others or what you very much like you're practicing, you do the same like you're doing things. the same thing. And so really what this is referring to, like when I was looking at this last night, I'm like, man, this is, this is Paul writing to the believer who's looking at the Gentiles, the unbelievers. And it's like, Oh man, you're full of sin. You're doing sin. And Paul's like, bro, you're still doing the same thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And so he says, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not know that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. And so, man, like last night, I'm, I'm sitting here eating these words, and um, kindness is goodness, excellence of righteousness, prefers to meeting real needs in God's way, and his timing, his tolerance towards others. And so, the word forbearance is the one that really stuck out to me, but it's the delay of punishment. Mm-hmm. And so, it only occurs twice in the New Testament. Both times refers to God whose mercy holds up unnecessary judgment back. Like, so he's yeah. holding up his judgment. Okay. Yeah. And so sometimes we kind of get, we get caught up in this. Um, well, I mean, really it's the society we live in right now. I was like, I'm covered by his grace. I'm covered by his grace. I'm covered by his grace. And we right. continue to sin. Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, for example, like how men sometimes struggle with pornography, they'll continue the, the sin, like, well, and they'll repent. Mm-hmm. And so in this story, um, I'm covered by his grace, but like what he's saying is like, man, his grace, like this, this, this grace, this mercy, this kindness is meant to draw us into repentance. And that word repentance, of course, is what I love is, um, I'm a, I'm a butcher of the Greek, but metanana, uh-huh. which is a change of mind, a change in the inner man to give one the ability to change, repent or cause you to repent. And man, like the Lord just got a hold of me. Like, man, it's this, it's this yeah. changing, right? Like you change. So if you're truly repenting, then you truly change his action. So the purpose of his kindness and his leaning in, one of the things you had shared with me is it has, you know, hesed is a Hebrew word and I'm going right. to give some uh, definitions from some Jewish rabbis uh, here in just a little bit, which are really insightful. But one of the things you shared with me is Hess said love is the stronger party leaning right. into the weaker. But there's a purpose for that. There is so, a purpose. So I pause initially and I marvel that God is so gracious and so compassionate. He's so kind. But there is a purpose. I think there's a balance to that. What you're saying is there's a purpose to his kindness. Right. And it is to draw us back to his way back to righteousness. Right. And so, so like why, so again, why and which you're, which we're getting to, right. Yeah. What you're talking about. And so it's this, again, he's saying like to, to pull you in. And so has said that can be found in Deuteronomy seven, chapter seven, 
um, verse nine. I'm pull it up real quick and read it here. Okay, as one of the places you can, you can find it all over the Word, and so right here it says, "Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love right. with those who love Him." And keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Steadfast love. Steadfast love, right? Mm -hmm. And so we begin to break into this word. And so it's mercy is what we see. So steadfast love is his mercy and it's goodness, kindness, keeping in the covenant and loving kindness. And so we can also find this word in the New Testament as well, where we see in Hebrews 4, 6, where it talks about like, we do not have a God who right here, I have it pulled up. Yeah. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. But one in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy. And so that word mercy is elios, which is covenant loyalty, loyalty to God's covenant right that's so good and, and find yeah. grace to help in time of need and so the mercy of god towards a sinner and so it's has said love is a story like god is constantly like he's the stronger leaning into the weaker so like he like god knows like in like romans 7 says like sin has made its home in us like does that mean we continue to sin by no means right. like his this has said love this loving kindness this mercy is really the Lord leaning into us, the weaker one, right? Mm-hmm. Cause he's always stronger. Right. There is no weakness of God, right? Leaning in and drawing us near to repentance. And so, you know, what I loved last night is man, the Lord, he, you know, we talk about eat the word sometimes. And I don't know if your viewers know about that, but it's really just where we get away from authors. Um, or we get away from readers response and into authors intention where we just kind of get back into like, there was a, there was an intention when it was written, going back to original Greek, Hebrew translations. Yeah. And so, like I said, I was eating that verse last night and a lot of times it helps us hear the voice of the Lord. And man, the Lord just really got a hold of me. And so for me, there's this, the lie that I was believing was that because of my past sin, that according to science, because of my, my struggle with uh, pornography, Mm -hmm. that my narrow pathways of my brain have been wired to fire off a certain way. Yeah. And so, Man, like when temptation would arise and I would go go draw near the throne of grace and I'd be like, Lord, rewire my brain, rewire my brain, we rewire my brain, like 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 fix this. Yeah. And so last night as I'm eating this verse, the Lord came to me and he says, MF, which is Mike Ferris, so so calm down. Um <laughs> so he says, My beloved son, whom I love and and whom I'm well pleased, I've given you the ability to not sin, for your heart to change and mine. You are not ignorant to my kindness, to my forbearance. These I've given you the ability to repent, to change. My son, it's done. Believe it, own it, walk it out. Yeah. I have given you the will and self-discipline, fruits of the spirit, right? You are a changed man. Walk as it, walk with the freedom. I have given you the oldest gone, the newest here. Love Jesus. P.S. Pick up your mat and walk and sin no more. Yeah. And the mm-hmm. Lord is like, man, like you are, like it's that, that's a lie you've been holding on to. And yeah. so you've allowed for the past three years this lie, like, well, now my brain's wired this way because so I, I have, to, yeah, you know, so I'm I, constantly and I, I'm whenever that's true. Yeah, so yeah. Well, well, the struggle would come along because we all like, I mean, the word says like, no man is without that temptation, right? right? And so the truth is, when it would come on, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm a horrible person. I would draw into, th- and I'm, yeah, and and I started to believe like, well, I guess this comes on because I've just I've because of my sin. But I mean, hold on, what's the truth? Right. Like that's Hesed love is what is the truth? Like the old is gone, the new is here. And so to kind of even, even dig deeper and go beyond what the definition is saying, but it's the gospel. It's the, it's the covenant of Jesus Christ. Like it's the fact that we've been covered in his his blood. It's Romans eight. Romans seven says sin has dwelled in us, but Romans eight is like, well, here's the good news. You're going to be given a new body. Yeah. Right. Like you're covered by grace where sin abounds, grace abounds forevermore. Right. You know, and greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. And it's kind of like going back to Lauren earlier. We're talking about forgiveness is supernatural. The world teaches us that, hey, man, if something negative like that happens to you, well, there's just no way to overcome it. You know, you're just you're just stuck there. But no, the power, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, that gospel uh, and, and spirit of Christ is at work in us and empowers us that we're not just victims our whole life. I don't have to sit here and put up with 
um, you know, being subject to pornography or lust. Well, I'm just a man. I've heard that one before. I'm just a man. I'm just going to do that. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, the temptation is common to us all, but the idea that you just have to succumb to it goes against all kinds of scripture, like first right. John four, four, uh, the greater one is in us. I was also glad you brought up Hebrews four sixteen about the New Testament version of hesed love, because the Greek word is elios, E-L-E-O-S, Titus chapter 3, verse 4. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior towards man, appeared. See, kindness is a person. Love is a person. Jesus appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we've done, but according to his mercy, that's elios there, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So I had on my notepad, you probably can't see it, but I wrote before we started today, we got to talk about Elias because that is the New Testament equivalent right. of Hesed love in the Old Covenant. Let me give you a couple of uh, of definitions from our from our Jewish brethren and their definition of uh, Hesed. Let's see. Hesed is a love that cannot be sentimentalized. It has the attributes of strength, steadfastness, loyalty, and devotion that stem from a covenant between God and man or even between men. And, you know, I'm writing a book right now on the absolute worthlessness of worry. Perfect love overcomes things like fear and worry and anxiety, 1 John 4, 18. And so I wrote a lot about the love of God, including a chapter on Hesed love, and uh, I find it interesting that when you're talking about Hesed in the Old Testament, you know, some of us Gentiles might be looking and thinking, well, this doesn't really apply to me. I'm not, I'm not Jewish. I wasn't born Jewish. But we are in covenant with God right. through Jesus Christ. Ours is the new covenant. But this type of Hesed love is a covenant. It's rooted in covenant. So our listeners, you don't have to think, well, I'm not I'm not born Jewish, so this doesn't apply to me. Yes, it does apply to you because you are in covenant with God. Hebrews chapter 8 lists the five terms of the new covenant. And so we do have a covenant relationship with this same God through Jesus Christ who lives in us. It also says it's been translated as loving kindness, mercy, steadfast love, compassion, loyalty, goodness, great kindness, favor, and a loyal Love Exodus 34, 6, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and great in loving kindness. That is uh, hesed love. So there's all kinds of great descriptions. Hesed is a lifelong love that is based on a covenant relationship. So I'm reminded of 2 Timothy you know, 2, 13, that even if we're without faith, God remains faithful. Because he cannot deny himself. So if you're listening and you've judged yourself unworthy of a relationship with God, or you've told yourself, well, God can't love someone like me. Well, what if God loves you because of who he is? What if he is faithful to you because he can't deny his own integrity and the nature of his being? What if it doesn't have to do with you? Well, now you're without excuse, oh man. You are without excuse because to say he doesn't love you would mean it's based on you, and it's not. To say that he won't be committed to you to walk this life out with you, that is an outright lie because you're you, the only way you judge yourself or say that that's not the case is you're using you as the criteria. But Hesed love, the loyalty of God, his covenant faithfulness is rooted in his nature and his being. So you're without excuse. You have to be able to say, you know what? Okay, he does love me, and he is committed to walk with me. He who began a good work in me is faithful to complete it. And so now, Michael, it's back to what you were saying. There's a purpose in this extravagant, amazing, loyal, hesed love that God has for his children, and it is to continue to perfect us in him, to continue to uh, encourage us to take up, as he spoke to you, take up your bed and walk, man. Go and sin no more. Tell me Jesus Christ wasn't the great, perfect balance of grace and truth. You see, yeah. I mean, you see his grace, his compassion, his mercy all over town. Everywhere he's going, he's got a heart for the sinful and the broken. But even like the man uh, that, that was lame that he healed, 
He did say, go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Now, I don't think he's saying God put that on him. I think he's saying that's what sin does to human beings. sin does, yes. Right. And so let's stay out of it and let's go live the life that I designed you to live, created you to live. And Michael, we're, we're fastened for righteousness. We're fastened for holiness and love, not for sin right. and death and decay. Well, it's not. It's who he says we are. Right. Like, you're my beloved son to whom I'm well pleased. Right. Yeah. And, and of course, some people get caught up like, hey, well, he's saying that about Jesus. But again, we can see in Galatians when it says we are baptized. Same thing he says about Jesus. He now says about us for being right. covered in Christ. That's right. We see it in Ephesians like we've been adopted as sons. That's right. Um, That's absolutely you know, and, true. And if you look even in America right now, when you're adopted, like look at the laws that goes with an adopted yeah. child over an actual, you know, blood child right like i don't i think that's the correct way to say it so like if i adopt somebody if i bring someone as my son and i write them in my will yeah to receive my inheritance like ephesians says like we receive this inheritance that the same inheritance that jesus christ receives now we receive i'm paraphrasing yeah and so um but in this story right so if i were to adopt so my son's name is oliver right he was born he was born yeah he has we share the same dna so if i were to adopt another child and bring him in another son and i write both of them in my will and let's just say that I'm not truly following the Lord and and Oliver does something that makes me frustrated. Well, I'm able to write Oliver out of my will. Yeah. But if the adopted son does something. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm trying, I'm going to write you, you out of the will. You out. can't write him out. The law will not let you. And so <laughs> right. it's, it's the same with the Lord. It's same, same with Hesed love. And so like what I'm trying to get, get at is Jesus is like, man, like the covenant of the blood of Jesus. And really like, I would even kind of press too, like the old covenant, and the new covenant's really not different. Sometimes people get caught up in this, right? But it's, it's the same. And really like the new is better because there's better like, covenant better there's a better promises, covenant, yeah. but, it, mm. but the, the old was really all rehearsal. And like human beings, they lost sight of it. Right. And we start creating fence laws and start trying to make it harder and harder and harder. Um, I see what you're saying. The yes. original tent, intent of the old was still relationship. It was still was relationship. Yeah. It was still relationship. It was still, I mean, we can look back at story after story after story. I'm, I've been listening to a podcast called the Bema podcast. It's by um, a man. I can't remember. I think I have it pulled up right here, actually. Yeah. Um, his name is. Here we go. Marty Solomon and Marty Solomon was discipled by a Jewish rabbi, um, Messianic Jewish rabbi. Yeah. And so he actually spent a lot of time in Israel and walking with rabbis, but he he's walking you through Genesis and he gets deep into the word, and eats the word and dissects the word. But he has a very deep understanding of the Jewish culture. And even going from Genesis, right, we see this story playing out. And sometimes we'll look at like, well, God, God kicked him out of the garden or, you know, like he preferred uh, Abel's sacrifice over Cain's sacrifice. And you're kind of like, you start asking these questions like, man, he kind of seems harsh, but the truth is it's because we've, we look at it at a human intention with human feelings and human eyes. And the Lord's like, like look at the Hesed love and all those stories. Why did God kick us out of the garden? Cause he says, if you eat of the tree of knowledge, um, in Hebrew culture, it's not called the tree of good and evil because if it, if it was a tree of good and evil, then Eve and Adam would realize that what they were doing wasn't, they would have realized it wasn't bad. Yeah. Go against God. So they knew there was of good and evil yeah. when they chose the eat of it. They knew because she said when the serpent asked, you know, did he say this? Right. Right. As God so, said, as God said, so she, they eat of the tree and, um, man, they get, so like they, he says, you surely will die. And so what Satan does, which is perfectly, like he does perfectly every time is he takes 99% truth with 1% lie. Gotcha. Like you won't surely die. Right. You're not right. going to die on the spot. Yeah. He but you're, mean that. but, but we know like death means to be separated from the father. When you dig into that word, there's, there's yeah. two kinds of death. One that we shouldn't fear whatsoever, because when we die, when this nephish, when my physical being yeah. perishes, I will receive a new body yep. to praise and bring glory and, with the Lord. Yeah. And worship him in all his glory. Right. And there's another death, which this is the death we should fear. It means to be separated from the father. Yeah. And that is when we, we walk in unbelief, when we're not a repentive man, when we're not truly changing our heart and changing our mind and, and drawing near. Now I'm not saying you got like I'm not saying his grace doesn't cover you and you sin and your grace isn't covered. What I'm saying is yeah, right. that moment of, of of neglecting and denying his salvation, right? Yeah. But his Hesed love is he he's holding he's back his wrath yeah. that is being stored up and he continues to pour kindness and patience upon us, right? So yeah. Genesis, what did he do? Well, there was another tree there. 
the tree of life. Right. And so now they're in sin. And if they would have ate of the tree of life, what would have happened? Then they'd be stuck in their fallen state for all of eternity. Right. And so out of his Hesed love, he kicked them out. He kicked them out of the garden. Right. True. And and he never stopped pursuing them. Why? Like, why are you? Why are you hiding? Because we're naked. Who told you're naked? Let me make clothes. Stop hiding from me. And that is his Hesed love is all through the story from Genesis to Revelation. We see that in our sin, God continues to draw near to us, continue to pull us close, continues to send prophets and, and judges to us to point us the way John the Baptist pointing us the way. And then ultimately it all leads to the ultimate covenant, the blood of Jesus Christ who came, the God who, who created the garden of Eden, who spoke everything to existence, who parted the red sea, right? Yeah. Who delivered the Israelites from Egypt, who, who made this, this bread fall from heaven. Yeah. Who, I mean, healed the sick, the lame, the blind, like did all these miraculous things, cast out demons. This mighty God did not come in the form of a king to force us to bow before him, but humble himself as a servant and died on the cross in order that we could spend eternity with the father in the garden. It's all Hesed love, right? The whole story. It's all him. him. Let me, and I do want to clarify this. You're talking about if we don't believe or if we struggle with faith that we, we can be separated. I understand what you're saying. Um, what faith allows us to do, we're not actually separate because, you know, he gives us his Holy Spirit who abides with us forever. Yeah. You know, so he didn't say, I'll abide with you till you mess up or you don't. Right. You he know. never said that. Right. But so what faith and belief allows us to do is live in the reality of the truth. Right. And the truth is he is with me. He is ever leaning in his Hesed love uh, in his commitment, a commitment to me. But I just wanted to clarify that for them that, you know, we're not saying that if you don't believe, then he's going to leap out of your body and he's gone forever. That That's just simply no. not true. That belief and faith allows us to engage with his presence, with his truth, with his spirit. You know, he himself said that I'll never leave you nor right. forsake you. Um, nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. But with that, that's a child of God. That is a son or daughter of God. Well, what's the word faith? And- it's in Greek, it's pistis, which right. is God's inward persuasion drawing you near is what it's the definition. And so, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying like, if you believe in one day he leaves you, I'm talking about, there comes a time where, whether when you are a non-believer, which you completely have no, like, you're like, I don't believe in Jesus. I'd never thought he was raised yeah, from the dead. Rejected. I've never confessed him with my mouth that he is Lord. Right. And so like, we know, like the word does say he will separate the sheeps and the goats. Yeah. And so in Romans one, he says, you will be without excuse. You said it earlier. And yeah. so, like, even when you stand before the Creator, like, there does come a time of judgment. Yes, you know? that's and true. So, and so, I'm talking once about you born accept again, him, born again, yes, he children does not, of God. Yeah, right. That, and, and I want to say this though, because let's go back to being adopted and all the incredible benefits you listed, even in our country, of an adopted son or daughter. If you go to the principle of like begets like, so if you sow an apple seed, what are you going to get? You're going to get apples. If you right. sow corn, you're going to get corn. Listen to this in John 12, 24. Jesus said, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat goes into the ground and dies, it'll remain the only one. But if it dies, it'll produce much grain. Okay. What kind of grain? Well, like begets like. If God sows a spirit born son and what made Jesus the son of God? Well, he was conceived in Mary's womb by the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that raised him from the dead lives in you and me. So this idea, and you made a great point about, hey, you may think, well, Jesus, you know, he's the son of God. Well, we're sons and daughters of God by the same spirit. Yes, yes. Romans 8 11, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in uh, you and me. And so Jesus, before going away in John 14, 15, 16, says, hey, it's okay that I'm leaving because the same spirit you see loving through me, the same spirit that you see connecting and living in relationship with the Father, I'm going to send him to you. Now, I got to go to the cross and clean you up first. I got to make atonement right. for the original sin and all those things. Right. But I love that point about us being, even though we're adopted in, we still are spirit-born sons. God sowed a spirit-born son so he could reap a harvest of spirit-born sons and daughters. And that's why we can walk in constant relationship with him and his has said love. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Well, one other thing I want to talk about, I know we got a little bit of time to chat on discipleship. Michael, 
You have been a great influence on me. I would say Hera Church has been a great influence on Grace Church as well in the in the uh, the truth of the need for disciple making and getting back to discipleship here in the United States of America. Because how I like to say it is, there's no doubt over the years in our country in the Western Church. People have celebrated the wedding far more than the marriage. And I would submit, well, here's what I mean by that. We celebrate people getting saved. Yay, let's send it in. You know, we're going to send it in to our denomination. We're going to tell everybody how many people we got saved. But yet the whole reason he saved them is so what? It's for the marriage. Right. So that every single day of your life, you can live this union, love relationship, bearing fruit, right? Bearing spiritual fruit instead of kids named Oliver and Joshua and Caleb and Noel. The the fruit of our union with our husband, Christ, our kids are named love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, and gentleness. So talk about the need for discipleship and disciple making here in the Western Church. How do you think it's going? I know Hair Church has been at it for three or four years, maybe five years now. Um, talk about the need for it. How do you think it's going, and where do we go from here? Man, talking about the need, I I think the need is. I mean, how, how can I word this? Um, I'm not good with wording, so have grace <laughs> with me. Okay. Um, man, the need the need is it's it's what he's commanded us to go do. Yeah. And so I would say it's how it's very important. So in Matthew 28, it's where we get the great commission from. It's Jesus and he's speaking to the 11 disciples and he's saying, and there's actually more there as well, witnessing this play out as he, before he ascends, it's the last thing he said before he ascended to heaven. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Right. Therefore go make disciples baptizing them, the father, son, and the Holy spirit, teaching them all that I've commanded you to do right. and know that I'm with you to the end of age. And so we see this, but here's, here's the thing. This was not a new concept to the disciples, right? Yeah. And one, we know this because it was the Jewish culture to walk underneath a rabbi who would make disciples and that rabbi would make disciples. The difference was at the age of 14, in the Jewish culture, either you were like, Hey, this guy's going to be a rock star, you mm-hmm. know, rabbi, like he's, he's got the word in him. He's I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. know what, I don't know how they filtered <laughs> it. Right. Like, I don't know what they looked at. And so, but what we know with the 12 disciples is they didn't make it. They didn't right. make the cut. Right. Right. Like they were like, they were cut from the team. Right. Right. They use our language they, today. They're like, Hey, go fishing, man. Yeah. And you're so, going to go be a fisherman or you're going to do this right. tax collector. Yeah. Right. And so. And that's what they did. Now, there were also rabbis in that culture in that time, too, that had normal jobs that would still like, so, hey, I'm a carpenter and you're going to walk with me and and we're going to do carpentry and we're going to talk about the things of the kingdom and, and God's has said love. Right. And, right. And um, but we know these men were not picked up like we know this because so they were they were neglected. So in society standards, they were they were the throwaways. Yeah. The outcasts. Right? The outcasts. And so we we see this. And so. I mean, what I'm getting at too is so like why I'm saying this isn't a new concept for them. When Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee and he sees them, he says, like, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Yeah. Okay. Follow me as I follow the Lord. Yeah. Follow me as I abide, as I remain, as I pray. Follow me. Follow me as I do the works of the Father. Follow me as I go and do ministry. Follow me as I sit in the Word. Follow me as I go up the mountain. Follow follow me. Yeah. Have breakfast with me. Have lunch with me. Like Do yeah. life with me, right? And he says, yeah. I will make, which means I will invest in you. I will teach you to abide. I'll yeah. teach you to pray. We see that in Matthew, right? Like, right. Lord, teach us to pray. It's like, I'm going to teach you how to pray. Yeah. And we see this concept of life on life. And then he's like, and I will make you fishers of men. Like you will go do the same. Matthew 28, fast forward. Yeah. He's reminding them of the very first time he invited them in. Okay. Go, like, gotcha. so let's walk backwards. What do you say? Yeah. Like, I will be with you to the end of age. Right. The word follow me means join me in true partnership. Yeah, that's right. As it doesn't we mean follow the ten, father. Ten right. feet behind me. Right. I'm better than you. Yeah. It doesn't mean that. It means join right. me in true partnership. So in, in the process of making disciples, because sometimes we get in this, the culture here in America where it's like, <clears throat> why follow Jesus? I don't follow man. Right. Yeah. But join me in partnership as we follow the Father together. Iron sharpens iron as one man right. sharpens another. Like we need each other we to spur need, each other on. We got to talk about that. We need that community, that spiritual family. If if for no other reason, you know, when we when we skin our knee or we fall down, of course. But we need accountability, yes. Michael. I mean, we need people. As what I have learned in my twenty whatever five years of ministry is, despite people's very best intentions. 
to serve the Lord, never sin, walk in love, bear the fruit of the Spirit. We need good brothers and sisters alongside of us who will call us on our stuff and say, brother, you're just drifting or how you handled your boss today at work. If that's really what you said to him, that was not Christ-like. We, we need people to point us towards wholeness and point us towards Christ. I want to, so you can talk about that if you want. I also want to throw in here, how about, and I think it's Luke 4, 18 and 19 is, and 20 is where you're at. When he said, follow me, which you described perfectly, doesn't mean walk 10 feet behind me. It's like, come partner with me, walk alongside me, let's do this together. But then he said, and I'll make you. And I think the Western church struggles with that. We don't want to die. We don't want, <laughs> right. we don't, we don't, we don't want to die to our selfishness and our self-centeredness. And yet, if you come to Jesus, follow me is the relational part. And he loves you and he bids you come and every human being is made for him. So of course, we want to respond to that invitation. But it, the other part is, I'm going to make you. I'm going right. to develop you into what God our Father destined you and created you to be. And in that, Michael, we get to die to the flesh. We get to die to who we used to be and then live out the challenge of what it is to be a brand new creation. Yeah. And I just think that's a struggle for Americans. I No, I agree. I mean, it's the American culture, right? Like, we don't die to self. We indulge yeah. self. Very good. <laughs> right? Say that again. We, we don't, don't die, die to self. self. We, we indulge self. It's yeah. America. I mean, really, it's the world culture, according to the word. Yeah. Right? And so, but America's led the way oh, in that. Yeah. I mean, look at America's a very wealthy nation. And and I'm including you and I in that. I, I don't want anybody listening to think that we're sitting here saying, oh. Oh, yeah. I'm the no, chief sinner. Yeah. Trust me. Trust <laughs> right. me. I am. That, that I, I don't struggle with dying. I, I'm including myself in this. That that old, uh, you know, that old nature, that old self. It's kind of like gravity. It's always there pulling on you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I died to self last night. And that's why there's a new spec. <laughs> like, you know, I'm jumping right. with joy. And so. Because the Lord is good and it's his Hesed love. And so, man, but but that's that's the important aspect of it. And so, and I would say like why it's so important in America is because, man, like here's like here's the statute. I can't remember the guy I quoted it, but it jacked me up. There has never been a recorded ever, ever movement of Jesus in America. And if you are a so-called believer and that doesn't set a fire on your rear, yeah. then I don't know what to tell you because, man, like that. It breaks my heart when I hear that. Yeah. And it's historically has not been recorded a movement of Jesus Christ, right? Yeah. And so why? Because we've fallen asleep. Mm-hmm. Because we believe that Sunday morning is enough. We wake up, I go to Sunday church, right. I check off the box, I have uh, my my Bible app sends me a verse a day, I'm abiding. No, man. Right. That's not There's no more to it's an that. intimate relationship. <laughs> and you know, like 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 Paul says in Philippians, like Man, like I'm, I'm here for you. And for say, he's talking about dying. He's like, man, I'm, I'm here. Like far be it if I be in heaven. Like there's a oh, far right. better picture. But right now yeah. I'm here. But he's not saying like heaven's better and earth is worse. But he, like yeah. the truth is, we can have the kingdom now. What did he tell Peter? Right. I gave you the keys of the, the kingdom. Keys, the kingdom. And so Give like access. Every, it's funny because I'll, I'll hear people talk. I can't wait to go to heaven. I can't wait to go to heaven. Can't wait to go to heaven. Right. Dude, and I'm like, bro, you can have the kingdom now. Sit yes. with the Father, and so this is why we're friends, Michael. Because yes. Jesus brought a simple prayer: "Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on, on earth, earth as, as it, it is, is in, in heaven. heaven." Come on. So Ephesians 1, 13, 14 says that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our down payment. You know, our future experience, but we get that down payment right now. What did Jesus say? The person, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. The kingdom is a hand. Repent. And yeah, believe the good right. news. Right? Like we're in hey, the kingdom. He never said. Uh, believe on me, join a church, sign a card, uh, get water baptized when you're dead. <laughs> when you're right. dead, you can go to heaven. And yet, look look back on, you're probably too young to remember them, but, <laughs> That's but listen to these old hymns, man. Everybody will be happy where? Over there. Yeah. Some glad morning when my life is oh, over. I love old so, hymns. so my best day is when, you know, is when I've flown away and I'm not on earth anymore. And I'm not taking away the splendor of heaven. Right. It's I gonna get be, that. Yes. But I'm telling you, until... We lose sight of the fact that maybe we weren't, okay, how about this? In the garden, we didn't fall from heaven. We fell from our leadership position in the earth. So if Jesus comes to restore us, which he did, redeem us, take us back to where we were, we didn't fall from a place in heaven. We fell from a leadership position in the earth. And that's what he came to give back to us. Right. And if you dig into that word kingdom, you know what it means? The place where Christ dwells. Where's he dwell, Steve? Inside of us. Boom. Where's the kingdom? Basalea. Yeah, right. come on, right? <laughs> and word. so 
And so we get into the, so the, the importance of disciple making and especially in America, like throughout the whole world is this is like, man, it, it wakes up. It wakes the sleepers up like arise, O yeah. sleeper and wait from the dead and let the light of Ephesians. Christ shine upon you. Right. That, yeah. Same thing. And so why is it important? Because we lost the concept of it. Yeah. We, I mean, look at America now. I mean, I, I do student discipling, and one thing that breaks my heart is like they don't even text anymore, right? Texting yeah. became real big when I, I'm 33. Okay. So when I turned 16, like texting was the was the thing taken off, right? And then no longer did you really talk on the phone. You text people, and and so now they don't even text. They they Snapchat or whatever. Yeah. Marco Polo, like I hate all that stuff. I'm sorry. Like yeah. if you use that, like I just it I still drives me crazy. But like. How many, like, the, there's hardly any more of, like, come sit on my table. Like, I remember oh, growing up. Personal Personal, like, yeah, yeah. He, like, opening hospitality, man. Yeah. Like, open up your table. Yeah. Break bread. Like, when when the Jesus, when the disciples are fishing in the Sea of Galilee and they go back to what they know, right, after yeah. Jesus is crucified. Yeah. You know, and he and he calls him out. I'm just going to fast forward that story. But yeah. he calls him to the fire. Yeah. Like, and they, he's like, come sit, have breakfast with me. Come like, if you look into that in the Jewish culture. It was a very intimate thing. Yeah. Like it was a very like, like to have lunch with someone and invite someone over to your home to have breakfast or lunch or dinner was a very intimate thing. It was saying like, I want to do life with you. Yeah. Like I want to be your friend. I want to, I want to sit at the table with you and talk about things of the kingdom and, and talk about your life and how's your life going. And, and when, and what's your low for the week? How's your week going? Right. What's your high? Man, like, you know what I'm reminded of in the word? Like, let me give you the word. Let me wash you with the word. Let me remind you what your father in heaven says about you. What's the Lord teaching you? Oh, that's awesome. And sometimes, like, why is that important when we ask, like, what the Lord is teaching you? Because sometimes through our obedience, the Lord is teaching us, it sharpens someone else because the Lord begins to teach you through that same thing, correct? And so, my wife, Stacy, said the other day, uh, you know, she's part of a, a discipleship group on Sunday nights, and she said, Spiritual family. I don't think people can live the life without spiritual family. No. And and it's, you know, like I said, I've been in ministry for a long time and I've seen every new idea, this, that, and the other to make things work. But her point was, based on what you just said, when, when you get to hear other people and whether they're winning or losing, where where's the Lord been at with you this week? How are you doing? She said there's such a strength of accountability in that that keeps you focused that, hey, I need to keep fighting this good fight. And if, I, if I'm if i with them that I lost right. this week, then I'm going to get up and keep going. If I'm celebrating with them that I won, what a great blessing. But I think some what I've found in discipleship and disciple making at Grace Church, and we've, I would say over the last year, it's really begun to grow and take more root there. And what I've learned personally, I think some of the great value of it is getting people connected to the vine. We call it abiding. That's it. So your your one-on-one relationship, maybe five-on-one, however many you've got in this small group of men, or if you're a lady with the ladies, that uh, getting people back to it's an everyday relationship. You know, you go to the Garden of Eden, God never said, I'll see you next Sunday, guys. Think about that. He never told Adam and Eve, hey, come for an hour on the weekend. We'll have a great time. We'll have some worship and then see you later. Go live how you want. It was spirit to spirit, heart to heart, day to day, thought to thought, actually. Everyday relationship from God, who is spirit, and then Adam and Eve, who were made in his image by the spirit. Um, Then I think abiding has been a great uh, benefit of it. I think sitting with the Lord in scripture is huge, too. Well, it's the biggest thing we always say is like to make a disciple, you got to teach them how to abide in the father. And so, you know, you, you, the question is like, man, like, why is it so important? And it's because like it gets them connected to the vine. That's right. Right. Like we're not making this, like, here's the thing that we're not making disciples of man. Like that's not what we do. We make disciples of Jesus. Now, listen, we've been doing that. We have happened over the years, but that's the fruit of our country. When you look at 66% of Americans claim to be Christian, but only 18% of them claim to have a spirit to spirit, actual relationship with the living God. Think about that. No wonder the country looks like it does. But yeah, sitting with sitting in scripture, I tell people all the time, don't just read the Bible, sit with the author. I think that is something eating the word where you're actually digesting it. You're you're breaking it down. You're you're sitting with him in it, not checking a box off your religious list that I read a a chapter today. But I'm sitting with the author. Lord, I know what this says on paper, but what do you want to say personally to me 
through this scripture. And what it does is it's using the integrity of scripture to acclimate people to hear his voice, which again goes with abiding, getting them connected to the vine that, hey, guys, this is a day-to-day. And if you're a disciple, you're a learner, you're a student. Uh, Jesus said in John 8, 31, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. That's it. So, and I don't think that's limited to the to the written word, but I think it sure includes it. Yeah. You know, it does include his voice, but man, a lot of people, if you're a brand new Christian, what do we say? Go to the closet and just come out and tell me what Jesus said. That's challenging for them. Let's get them connected to him using the integrity of scripture. You know, yeah. Lord, I know what this says. John 3:16 on paper but what do you want to say to me today? Yeah. I think that's been a huge benefit of discipleship at it, Grace Church too. It is. And you know like the old Jewish rabbis what they would say is this they said in prayer you talk to the Lord. But in his word, which is the scripture, which is the word, the inherent word of God, mm-hmm. he speaks to you. Like that's what they would say. And so yeah. we we kind of lose sight of that as well where it's like, yeah. well, um I got to be careful what I say next. But anyway, so sometimes <laughs> well, we lose Rayna sight of that relationship. Right. Yeah. And and so we see like it's how we bring a movement of Jesus in America, yeah. right? Like we get people attached to the vine. We get people abiding. We get people in the word. Like Steve, like, I'll, like I grew up in the church and my, like I gave my testimony, but I didn't know fully what the word said. And there was so much stuff of the word that people had told me that what the word had said. And I believed, but till I started to dig in, I'm like, the word doesn't say that or things taken out of complete out yeah, context where right. it's like reader's response. I'm going to take this verse like yeah. topical preaching, right? Yeah. Like I'm going to, I'm going to preach on this, mm-hmm. you know, and like, I'm not fully dying topical preaching, but here's sure. the thing. A lot of times in topical preaching, you're just addressing the symptoms. Yeah. You know, instead of the root of the root. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so, but I mean, and, and it's like, I'm going to put this, pick this verse and this verse, this verse, this verse, and this verse, but it's like, man, hold up. Like there's a chapter, there's a, there's a, yeah. there's a letter, there's something being said, right. there's something there's, built around. There's a background yeah, to the story. Um, and yeah, I'm trying to I'm remember they, and so in the old Testament, the writers would use this word, um, how they would build a chiasm. Like they would use this chiasm, which kind of meaning like the story, like the pivotal point of the story was in the center, right? Mm-hmm. Meaning the moral of the story is in the center of the story. And, and these things would kind of center, like the beginning would kind of point towards the chiasm. The, this and the mm-hmm. end of it would point to us. And we see it in the you. new Testament as well. I got and you. so anyway, like, but we see this as it, as we begin to make disciples and we begin to help people get attached to the vine, like they begin to wake up, you know, the newest um, study says that 93% of people who sit in a pew on Sunday morning, yeah. do not open their Bible. And so you're, right. when I hear that, I hear 93% of people do not abide. Yeah. Because Jesus says, like, if you abide in my word. And mm-hmm. so that means 93% of people are not a disciple of Jesus Christ, right? Right. Yes, they say they believe, but man, the word says even the demons believe, right? Yeah, and, they, and at so, least they tremble. And they tremble. They like, tremble. tremble? At it. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. so so getting pulled, getting connected. And so what we see is, like, man, it's doing life on life. So we invite people into our life the same way we see Jesus doing. Something we always say is we see Jesus doing it, we do it. We don't see Jesus doing it, we, we don't, don't do, do it. it. Right. I think identity is a huge part of what's happened in America is their their church member is nowhere in scripture. But I guarantee you of that 93% that don't pick up the Bible Monday through Saturday, or maybe even on Sunday when they're at church, they would say, yes, I'm a Christian. I am a member of blank, blank, blank church. Who cares? That's nowhere in scripture. And we've identified ourselves like being a Christian is being a church member. A Christian is a Christ follower. Right. It was actually the pagans who <laughs> named on. us Christians because they said they look like Christ. Yeah, it was an insult at one time. And the Christians <laughs> right. were like, hey, yeah. I'm going to own this. Right. I like this. Right. I'm glad you think I'm a little Jesus. I, I like that. Yes. So we, we should be reflecting him and bearing his his likeness and his image and his spirit and mm, his attitude. But if we're not hanging out with him. Right. We become like who we spend time with. You can clearly see we've not been abiding. We've not been sitting with him in scripture. Uh, Something else I had written down on a great benefit that we've seen in disciple making is uh, spiritual family. Right. What we talked about earlier has got to be accountability. There's got to be accountability and love because, man, people are broken. We need help, man. Right. It's hard. It's living life is hard. Even being married is a challenge It's hard. 
Uh, nobody likes to die to selfishness, so we need good people around us. Well, this place isn't our home. Like, we're aliens here, right? But right, the yeah. benefit is we can bring the kingdom. So, disciple-making brings the kingdom on earth. Yeah. You know? And that's so, right. And that was the goal. That was the that's goal. That's did and, what he did. Exactly. And so, we see that, man, like, yeah. the importance of it, you begin to so abide. True. Your identity becomes firm in the Father through the process of abiding. You see, like, man, I've been adopted as sonship and daughtership. Like, I am his son to whom he's well pleased. Your identity becomes solid. Like, the foundation that you stand upon is Christ Jesus. Yeah. And then you begin to see, like, you know, last week we were talking about like my position at Heritage Church. And so, you know, you know, I don't like really talking about it right. because the, the truth is we've put titles on things. And yeah. so, man, I'm simply just a co laborer of the gospel. And the beauty of it is, is there's so many other, all staff is co laborer of the gospel. Right. All those who, like, those who are making disciples are co laborers of the gospel. But you begin to see, like, wait a second, I'm a minister, which simply means a servant, Ephesians 4. Right. Like, I'm a royal priesthood. Matthew 20. Like, I have, like, the same authority, like, like there is no yeah. one man, holy man. Like it's Jesus. There's one right. shepherd. There's, there's no junior right. Holy Ghost. Right. Yeah, I mean, come on. We, we, we've all got the same guy living right. on the inside and so of it's us. like, man, you become a minister of the gospel and you begin to preach the gospel, whether you're at Lowe's, Walmart, you're at work, you yeah. know, you're on the school bus at That's school, so good. you know, and you, they begin to walk in this and, and the beauty though, like, That's so good. like the word says, you know, we keep talking about spiritual family and. And the importance of holding each other accountable, like in disciple making, what we see, it's a relationship of high challenge and high invite yeah. definition of high invite. Like, man, it's, it is, it is a spiritual family, right? Like it's coming in this, this relationship, the spiritual family, like it's cool right. to be, you're going to be loved you're, on, yes. you're going to be walked right. with. And yeah. in high challenge is accountability to hold each other accountable and grow to mature, to, yeah. mature, to, to grow in sanctification of the Lord, to be formed more and more to the image of Christ Jesus. Which let me pause there. That's Luke four. He's inviting them in. Follow me. Not like, you know, walk behind me, but let's do this together. That's the promise of love. That's the promise of fellowship. I'm going to be with you, but then I'm going to make you is, hey, we're going to mature. We're going to challenge each other to grow in Christ. And that has been missing uh, in the body of Christ. I'm glad yeah. that you brought that brought that out. I want to make one last point and then we'll close talking about identity again. You said if whether you're in Walmart, whether you're in Crest, whether you're on your job or you're in your living room with your wife and kids. Yes. Your identity is a spirit born son or daughter of God. You're a, a Christ follower, a Christ lover who loves him with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. When you're just a church member, I think what what our mindset is, oh, well, I'm at church, so I need to act like a church member. But what happens? Well, we go to work, we live like the world. We go home, we live like the world. We pipe television, media, social media, secular worldview into ourselves and wonder why the fruit looks like the world. So I think identity is a huge point. I just wanted to kind of tie a bow on that. I think if you're listening, you've got to shift your mindset. If, you're, if your mindset has been church member, or I'm even, I'm just an old sinner. I'm a terrible person. No, you're not. You're a new creation. You're a Christ follower. I mean, the same spirit that raised him from the dead lives in you. And we need to shift our identity to, uh, I'm a, I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God by his hand, by his work, because the more, you know, Proverbs 23, seven, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So yes. the more you see yourself, how God sees you, the more you'll bear fruit after his kind. That's it. Amen. Well, I'm going to pray for us. I uh, want to thank everybody again for, for listening and just taking part. Father, we thank you for this time and just ask, Lord, your great grace upon each and every one. Lord, that we would once again identify ourselves with who you say that we are. The truest thing about you, uh, about us is what you say about us. And so I just ask your blessing, your grace, your mercy, your hesed love, Lord, upon each and every one. And Lord, we say it all the time. But when people see us, we pray that they see you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.